The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, a friend of Medjugorje. If you want to understand our times, read Romans 1, the whole chapter, particularly 18 to, I think it's 32 or 36. We don't know who we are anymore or why we are what we're doing anymore. Even those who try to keep up with the news and think that they understand what the things that are happening on a daily basis, don't. Obama's Affordable Care Act, most people, or not most people, but a good percentage of people believe it's even been repealed by Congress. Or it's not active. This is the most complicated, the most evil, wicked law We've ever seen, and probably in history, you might say, well, how about Nero and all those things he did? I'm talking about in modern times and what the schemes of the things are. It's James Madison, the fourth president, who told us and warned us against creating complicated, incoherent laws that cannot be understood. 
He said that they cannot be voluminous. They can't be overloaded with words. And if you stock, stacked up Obama's health care legislation, one page at a time, it would go seven foot and three inches high. That's not about what a doorway. To walk through a doorway is 7.6 inches usually. And this has grown from the original 2,700 pages when it was passed to 20,000 pages. What do you think that's for? Stop and reflect. Why is that? It's because this president wants to destroy this country. His project, his plan, by proxy is somebody else's. He's just along for the ride and he can go play golf and do those things. That they say, okay, this is your benefits. He's not coming up with all this stuff. He don't have the intelligence to do that. The man is not, not smart. The man is there not because he's articulate, like people say. If you look at what he says and what he does off of the teleprompter, he doesn't have it. How did he get him to be president if he has never run a business, never managed anything higher than just doing community service, which was all about how to get redistributed dollars from somebody else, take it from somebody else's pocket and put it in yours? He never, ever, ever achieved anything of skills that would even begin to the approach being a sock boy. At a grocery store. And I don't even know if you ever did that. Much less being a manager of a grocery store. And incomprehensible that he's the president of a country. Can I say these things as a Christian? We have to vie for his soul to be saved. But what is is what is. And you need to be looking. We all need to be looking. We need to understand what is and why is that we have this. How is it, except by a miracle, in fact, Obama's own words. It was spooky how he rose to power. That's a quote from him. He knows there's a divine origin of why he sits where he is because he knows he doesn't have the qualifications. So if it's divine origins, do you think it's from God or from darkness? Darkness can't do but what God lets it. And when we become a people of darkness, God allows, and you read it in Romans, to give people over to themselves, man rather. God will give man over to himself. Lord, help us when we're in a time that we've been given over to ourselves. Our ladies come in and say, you decide, because Obama's very divisive. His legislation is the most divisive piece of work that has ever ever come up in law. But the purpose of that is you decide where you got to be, what you're going to do in the future, which way you're going to walk. We have everything dividing us. We have a quote from a Ukrainian lawmaker, Annabel Good Tarkovsky. And he's speaking on a proposal to let all couples decide whose surname, surname goes first when they name their children. 
Can you imagine that we've evolved to this point? He says, It is an issue that will generate confusion in a society that has forever taken the Father's name. But these changes in society have to be accepted. They have to be accepted, rejected. Raise your kids, when your daughter gets married, to take the man's name. Not two names. Now it's not just two names. Now who's going to go first? Where does it end? It ends when you reject the Father. That's why Elijah just says, A new, on June 2nd, A new, to be children of God, to be able to, A new, call the Heavenly Father, Father. To be worthy of the Father. You think these things built into our culture, into marriage, into taking names of the husband, the father, except for that God had ordained these things? To be one people, single, in a community, the first community, a family? Let's quote that. I, as a mother, didn't say I as a father. It didn't say God the Father. I, as a mother, am submitting to this. She says, I as a mother desire my children to be in a community of one single people where the word of God is listened to and carried out. What does that say to you? It says to me, this is crazy. Now we're not arguing or getting married. And the girl says, well, I want my surname and your, your name too. Don't want two, 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 two families instead of becoming one with husband. One is with husband as you come underneath his umbrella, his armor protection. The, the rib was taken from him, made into Eve. He was made from the dirt. He was there first, from the clay of the soil. Which means she's underneath his arm, his armor protection. And so we have marriage falling apart. We have wisdom being lost. And now we have people in the last two decades or so, growing more and more, taking surname and the husband's name. Now it's an argument, whose surname is going to go first? They're arguing this in law. And it's the cut and paste mentality of these new people, these new lawmakers, how they think, wherever country this guy's from. He says it's an issue that will generate confusion. So he acknowledges this is a problem. And a society that has forever taken the father's name. Forever? And it was since his origin. He came underneath the father's name. Because the woman came underneath the arm of protection of the man. God made him man for God. God made the woman for the man. You may not like that. I don't care if you don't. A lady said that can carry out the word who? In a community of one single people where the word of God is listened to and carried out. Read the scriptures. Why was Madam made? For God. Why was Eve made? For the man. She's not first. It's not sister and brothers. I cringe every time I hear this because it's unscriptural. Totally contradicting scriptures. Just like this guy contradicts himself. It's an issue that will generate confusion in a society that has forever taken the Father's name. And then he says, but these changes in society have to be accepted. So we're going to accept confusion, disorder, God is order. And the man came first. And the woman came second. And yet he opens the car door for her. Who enters the door first in protocol? In respect to the woman. The woman? No. 
The man steps in front of her, opens that door, stands aside, and she walks in. She still needs protection. Don't be in your language, because that's the first war. That's the place where we're losing. They find the first shot speaks about this. The change in the revision, the way we speak, the way we think. This is what this PhD who wrote to me said they're going to sue me. I read several weeks on the, on the, ago. <coughs> that, uh, that we, we, use, we teach students the critical use of language. See, they're smarter than we are. The critical use of language is, is brothers and sisters. Brother, it didn't just say brothers, men and sisters, too. It didn't mean man without saying and woman. It didn't mean just he. It meant she also. Now we got to say he, she, man and woman. And now we say brothers and sisters. And now we got to reverse the row and say sisters and brothers. You don't think the devil's behind this? The devil's very coy and he's behind this and you go along with it. Don't hear, don't accept sister and brothers. It's brothers and sisters if it's anything. And Ali's only said that one time. Most of the time she says brothers and men referring to everybody. And I even question that because I know there's been some changes sometimes to the messages that may shock you. But I'm weary of that. Very weary. And very concerned because it invade the translations too. We have to be very careful. When you understand how the devil works, everything changes first in the critical use of language. The PhD lady told me that. And she said, don't mess with me, I'll sue you. Sue me, baby doll. I don't go around with this university garbage and trash of, retra- of trashing the brains and the minds of the youth that's happening. And now more and more people are starting to denounce the universities and what's coming out of it and what's happening. Even the Christian colleges. Now I was thinking this in high school. I said, I'll never go to a university. Why should I go there? Why do I need to put a professor between me and that book? Why can't I go to the book and learn what I need to go to? So I got to go to him, from me to the professor to the book? That's our problem. We have inserters. Even tell us that's what the church says. They're inserting themselves. Why can't I read what the church says? Why can't I abide by what the church's doctrine is? Why do I have to have an insert saying, oh, the church hasn't approved Medjugorje? This should get underneath your skin because all this relates that we don't know what's going on. We don't even know how to approach things because the critical use of language has dumbed us down so much that we just accept things. This is a democracy. No, it's not. It's a republic. I won't go there. It's real clear. Look what happened while you're sleeping. It's real clear in the book they fired the first shot. This is a republic. A republic for which it stands. In a democracy, a majority can change the law and say, killing a baby is law and no longer murder. In a republic, a moral republic, that is, because you got the Republic of China, a moral republic based in Christian principles, no apology said for that. As a Christian nation, this United States of America, we don't have to worry about the moral republic that we'll ever commit murder like that. It's only when the critical use of language teaches students and people that we are a democracy, and because people voted for it, it makes it legal. In the Nuremberg trials, trials you know what they try to defend them with? That they were just simply being obedient because the Nazi regime had said that the Jews really no longer are people. In essence, is what they were saying. So therefore, how can you try some people for just going by the law? 
This is what this healthcare thing's about. You want your parents to live to old age? Do you want to live to old age? You're not going to underneath this abomination and his health care. There is a clear demonic, satanic, evil, wicked agenda in this. You've got to read They Fried the First Shot. You've got to start acting while you can still stand. While you can still do it without going to jail. While you can still do it, can do it not going to the gallows. When will we stand up? And can you stand up? Only if you start living the statutes of God. Only if you start living the messages. And you carry out the gospel in your little community. The one single-minded community. A profound message. I just had a friend that was here. He came in from Atlanta. Or rather, he flew into Atlanta, came here, just spent the night with us, and took back off this morning. They've been looking for their place. Their little nest egg, their little land, their little farm, their little everything. They were looking for signs. They felt this was it. They found a beautiful place. Several buildings on it. Springs on it. 140 or so acres. A dream place. Everything you could ever imagine. All set up. The tractors, everything. The man got sick, he's got to sell it. He built it for himself. All fenced. Just write the check and do it. They do it. But they got this message the other day. His wife did. And said, go, told the husband, go look at this message. Go on and look at it. And it reads, I, as a mother, desire my children to be in a community of one single people where the Word of God listen, is listened to and carried out. Do you know how many people are later just released? Do you know how many signs this message was? The people out there that have been searching, that has been following Medjinomics for years, following, look what happened when you're sleeping, how to change your husband, I see far, and hundreds of other writings, and it built up to this point, and that this just opened the door to that, especially to the Caritas community. The whole principle of Aru, the bishop made me write down, was about one single headship, one people of God. So much more so that Our Lady in Medjugorje, when we are there with her, was able to give October 31st, what year? 1997. We're there just with Maria. And Our Lady says, I want you to be Jesus' joy. Immediately when I heard those words, immediately when I was there and heard that, I knew the scripture verse she was saying that she said the other day, that the word of God is listened to and carried out. And I heard when I listened to our lady say, I want you to be Jesus' joy, talking about this Caritas community. Nobody else was there. It was a private apparition just for us in Medjugorje with Maria. That's why we asked her to be with us. No one else was in attendance. But what I heard when I listened to this was the word of God. Be of one mind, one heart, one thought. Make my joy complete. And then a lady, the mother of God, the one who says in this message, I as a mother desire my children to be in a community of one single people where the word of God is listened to and carried out. I heard that scripture when she whispered those words to Maria to tell us, I want you to be Jesus' joy. Thrilling, yes. And all, yes. Are we? No, we're sinners. We don't exalt ourselves over this. We fall short of the glory of God. We fall short of being a reflection of Jesus. She said, be a, be a reflection of Jesus. 
But one thing we want is our lady's wants. And if we can fail that, that our goodwill wants it, she can magnify as a magnificat, she can magnify our efforts before the Father and make it Jesus' joy. And so how many of you out there have been looking for your place and looking and wondering, when should I take these steps? What should I do? How do I get in a community of one single people where God's Word is carried out? And listen to that she follows this sentence with, Therefore, my children, set out after my son. This is a time of action. No sitting around anymore. No sit there and say, arguing about, well, okay, son, I know you're going to marry this, your, this my future daughter-in-law. Daughter-in-law, I know you want your surname, and I know he wants his surname, and what are we going to do? I know you want your name first. Get with the scriptures. God made Adam. God made Eve. Take the name. Build a civilization. Build one single-minded family. Stop the division. Don't go toward abomination. And I mean that, abomination also. Things are complicated. This whole thing is written in a complicated way, the legislative law for the health care all with a purpose to bring this country down, nothing else. Don't be duped by anything. Don't be in a way, in any possible form, that you're diverted, that this isn't the death of the medical profession, and also a judgment against the medical profession. The government price and all these things, all this has an effect. People don't understand insurance, they don't understand capitalism, they don't understand that the market dictates what you do. If you have a neighbor and they're selling a product, the next neighbor's selling another product. One, well, let's just go down the road here, highway. we got two people on Highway 280 down the road from here. One on one side sells gold on the highway, and another on the other side sells gold. They both have yellow signs out there, people shaking and doing up, dancing up like rabbits and putting costumes on to come in here and get my gold. We buy gold and we sell gold. What are they doing? I stopped one day and talked to one of the guys. He said, we're doing this, and he's, getting he's arguing because they're getting closer to the highway. They have to stay so many feet off the right-of-way. I just wanted to talk to them and see what, you know, how they're thinking. This is the marketplace. They're competing. He'll, buy, he'll pay more for gold, and he'll sell his gold cheaper than the next guy. That's what dictates the price. Healthcare, the health care thing already is, is, I think, going up. It's double the price now of what it's going to be because you've eliminated the market. The purpose, satanically, is to destroy the whole nation. But that sentence has come upon us. We've been given that because we've been turned over to self. We can no longer do the free market. We determine the price of the product, who's better, who's got the edge, whoever. Competition does that. The more you regulate, the less it's able to do it. But see, we can't see these things anymore. We don't understand these things anymore. Joan? This is an article entitled, Obama Has No Skin in the Game. And it's written by Cal Thomas, a uh, columnist. And says, an internet search is inconclusive as to where the phrase no skin in the game originated. Some ascribe it to the late columnist Willem Sapphire, others to investor Warren Buffett. Politicians often use the phrase to justify policies to their liking. 
It can also be applied to the latest in a long list of their outrageous behaviors, as well as to those of President Obama. Like an increasing number of politicians, the president has never served in the military, nor has he ever run a business. He has never headed a company that needed to make a profit and thus employ people who create things people wish to purchase. He has likely never had to produce a balance sheet. His entire career, and that of too many other politicians, appears to have been about redistributing other people's money and organizing communities to receive government benefits. Very few elected officials see themselves as stewards. Even fewer practice stewardship. It's an old word, stewardship, but it is a word that carries weight and authority. One entry on dictionary.com defines it as the responsible overseeing and protection of something considered worth caring for and preserving. We the people grant power to political leaders. Along with that power goes, or ought to go, a presumption that the men and women we elect are stewards or caretakers of America, that they will behave as responsible overseers of what has been entrusted to them. We expect them to see our country as worthy of protection and preservation for us and for future generations. Can this president and Congress credibly say their irresponsible spending and the fiscal cliff they are driving us toward meet this definition? Have you ever been entrusted with someone else's property, a car, a family heirloom? Unless you are terribly irresponsible, you probably took care of it, making sure it was not damaged, and that you returned it to its owner in same or better condition than when you received it. Politicians operate differently. They take what is not theirs and irresponsibly tax, spend, or overregulate it. Too many are not invested in America. They have no skin in the game. And so they treat America's economy as unworthy of their care and do not feel it their responsibility to protect it. Democracy as practiced in our constitutional republic is fragile. It is not the natural state of humanity. Look around the world and see how many nations come close to America in economic strength, endowed rights, and standards of morality. What we have is not inherited as from a will. It must be fought for, sometimes in war, but always against our lower nature, which too often succumbs to the temptation to give people what they want rather than what they need, to trade goodies for votes, preserving not the country but political careers. A self-indulgent nation cannot long exist at least not as the nation delivered to us by our forefathers. Our ancestors learned to do without in order to retain things of real value. I was taught that excessive debt was a great evil because it contributed to a loss of freedom. If that is true for individuals, it is truer still for our country. America is slowly descending into a kind of economic slavery. We are increasingly in servitude to others who are financing our wealth, our debt. We are shackling our posterity with a debt load we are unlikely to pay off. Things might be different if the President and Congress saw themselves as stewards. Instead, they behave as they do because they have little or no skin in the game. 
about a year and a half ago or so, I was in France. We went to Normandy. I'd always wanted to see, I was speaking that night, I wanted to see the beaches of Normandy. The waves crashed upon the rocks below the cliffs, looking at this ocean, where D-Day took place. There are stories we read about what some of these soldiers did that day that we've forgotten. Not only those who died, but those who lived. One particular story was of a 15-year-old who lied to get into the military, was on the boat that carried the troops in, and they were under orders that everybody had to get off. Even the wounded had to be thrown in the water. And they got all, this one 15-year-old got everybody off before they returned back to the ship to get more men. And one guy had been shot, and he was only waist-deep water. He begged him not to throw in the water because his wound was such he couldn't stand up. He would drown. And this 15-year-old had to grab this man and throw him off. It tormented him the rest of his life. And there's a lot of stories that are buried with these things. We don't know what these men went through. But one thing, they paid a price. Today, June 6, back in 1944, that we don't comprehend and we're not grateful for that we can be where we are today. The crosses up on top of the hill, the cliffs, walking through there, the silence, the quietness, the beauty of peace and war all mixed together, the emotions, the thought process, the reflection. Go to a cemetery. Go to a Civil War battlefield. If you're in Europe, go to your cemeteries of where the the warriors fought. Look at what those who preceded us had to go through and reflect, as the lady says, on the future. It's not doom and gloom. Divisiveness is coming is for a purpose to draw you toward God. Our Lady said here in the field, a battle hymn of a message. July 3rd, 2012. Form and make prayer groups through which we will pray for your healing and the healing of this nation. And she meant the United States of America. She was on its soil right here in Alabama for this nation. That's what she was there to consecrate the next night this nation to her. And the healing of this nation to draw closer to God and to me. The divisiveness that's taking place is to draw you closer to God. But you have to reflect on the past. Chris Ann Hall said at a talk when we were talking together in California, she said that we all know this verse. But she said, those who do not know history are doomed to repeat it. She says, no, that's not accurate. She says, those who do not learn history and understand it are doing to repeat it. We can put off things that's coming our way if we understand what's happened in the past and we don't make those same mistakes now. A simple statement, but profound, that Christian said. And so it is. Do we even stop to reflect June 6th, the misery brought us the pleasure of where we are today. you got nothing to be grateful for? Go on a site. I think it's global, uh, globalwealth.com or something like that. Google it. 
or play around till you get it. And type in your income in this country, especially the United States, or even other places in Europe, around the world, where you have a, a good economy, even though everybody says it's bad. Type it in, and most Americans are in the 97% bracket, the 98% bracket, the same bracket as Bill Gates as far as wealth. Now, we're a long way, you might be a long way from Bill Gates, but you're in that top 3%, 2%. And you think things are bad, even if your income has decreased from last year. They're going to be shocked where you are. And there's a whole war of turning that other 98% against you because of your sins, because of my sins. Don't think when I say you, I'm not including myself. And sometimes when I say you, I've been through that and done that and changed that. Real love is to warn you and tell you and make you aware that you don't know what sacrifice is. We don't know what sacrifice is in this nation. And many people don't. The top 2%? We've forgotten the spirit of sacrifice of June 6, 1944. But we're going to learn it. God's going to show it. Frank, what we'll do from here from you. Well, this is the thing, too, and I didn't know that, you know, I certainly know that the Americans have more than the rest of the world and that our income was up there, but that's even surprising to me that it's, um, you know, uh, 98% of the people um, probably aren't with, you know, the, lo- the lower of our incomes. And, uh, and it's certainly heavy on my heart that we need to be acting upon because of this opportunity right now, what is written in, it ain't going to happen. And uh, this is a tremendous opportunity, but it's also necessary as so many Christians tolerate nonsense. This surname thing is nonsense. You defended this, I think, 20 years ago or maybe more than 20 years ago when you wrote How to Change Your Husband. The reason I never tire of promoting these writings, I've read most of the booklets more than once and all the major writings more than once, um, is because of this reason and because of the message we just got on May 2nd. You and Our Lady have always been saying the same things. This is what your charism is, to give Our Lady's message to the world in this way. These things will change the world. These things have changed our life. Uh, It does not stop in regards to, look what happened while you're sleeping. We're still being overwhelmed by God's generosity. As I remember reading, when I was reading uh, Look What Happened While You're Sleeping, the old catechisms in regards to Sundays, in testimony after testimony of either people that converted to Christianity and closed their businesses on Sunday or people that followed Christians and did it because they knew there was a blessing to, to honor the Lord's Day. And I know so many in business today, good Christians, that have their business open and this is, the world is not going to change until we understand. You cannot buy and sell on Sunday. I have to testify to this because another chapter in this journey of ours, my family is being written when we closed our business and sold our business and we got the land in South Georgia 
now we have a business that I don't think there's a greater demand for a business or a business that was missed as much in the entire county um, as the business that we have. I can tell by the employees that God has given us and the customers um, that it, it's just it's it's tremendous. It's overwhelming. Let me, let me make that clear. Clarify that you, uh, you you had pizza franchises refused. They refused to let you close on Sundays. This tormented you. You came to me several, many times, actually, through the years. Uh, they, they won't let you close, and it came down to where I never backed off from what the statutes of God gives, and it nagged you that you couldn't be living what you wanted to live, but you were trapped in the contract. And so you took the step, and as a result of just living the one commandment of the Sabbath, the reason you said, i got to sell my store and see what God has for me, he didn't have anything open to you at that point. When you did that and said, okay, I'm going to live that, I'm giving up one of the top ten stores and of the piece of stores you had, one of the top ten stores you had out of, what, 400 stores or so, the income your level you were getting from that one store was nothing negative about it except the fact you couldn't close on Sunday, but you made finally the decision after prayers and years of fasting and strength that you had to live that and you had no other option. You just shut down. Within two weeks, within two weeks, you end up with a thousand acres. It paid for. Your pizza store is closed. And another restaurant. You moved out of your state and you're in another state, Georgia now. All because of the decision, I will do as for me and my household, we will still serve the Lord. Doesn't mean you're you, you make all your decisions right, but you live those statutes and God can't change things for you until you take those steps. I did it years ago, even in business. I did it pre-Medjugorje. I was following the way. No debt. And you're $350,000 in debt. You sell your house, you're going to be completely out of debt. How do you go from that with another company, a restaurant, a thousand acres, $350,000 debt, that's going to be wiped away and everything paid for? Because of one decision, I'm going to live the Sabbath. As outlined, and look what happened when I was sleeping, you get the book. You're wondering how it's done. There's, there's literally tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of people who have adopted this. Just like I see far, people start throwing away the television by the thousands of people at a time. I just got to read an article that said that the networks are really scared now because they're seeing in the population zero TV. We've been TV free for at least 20 years here. We prospered by it. And then God was able to show us something we couldn't see with TV. And I was choking. I had to get rid of everything, all this stuff. And then I could say, hey, I'm violating the Sabbath. And that's when our mission went, went, went through the roof. We've been living the Sabbath, what, 15 years at least, maybe? 20, maybe 20 years. The mission is the largest major mission in the world as far as the printed word and everything we do. Where do you think that comes from? Just talent. It takes business talent. It takes, it takes management. It takes, it takes some wisdom. But if God don't give you the grace, well, you can't do nothing with smarts. It's through humility. Hey, God, I don't want to do this, but I'm going to leave you statues. He brings it. You act on it. And so one decision that I'm going to do what I have to do and let God act, and he did. And so this is one more testimony. A friend who was just here, just the same thing. He's going out on a... Uh, you, 
he did something beautiful. To go buy a homestead and then build it and put up fences and put all these things up in lakes and ponds and, and the houses and the barn and the house and the guest house and the driveways and everything and it goes in the, the water. and All these things, even if you got the money, you can write out $10 million checks to get this done. It's very complicated and takes time. He walks right in. The guy's got his tractors, the equipment he needs to run the place. Just writes out one check. Got the tractors. Got the family there. Got everything. He's in business. I mean, that's, that's, that's really the way to go. But only because he just started seeing what is God's will. Which way do I need to walk? You say, well, I have no money. God got lots of money, St. Teresa, or Mother Teresa said. You know, you just start doing what you're supposed to do. And I was just listening to this preacher on the radio. He said that he got sued, lost his job as a pastor, got an $8 million judgment against him. He said, boy, that's more than I make as a Baptist preacher a year. <laughs> so, but anyway, he, he decided uh, that he worked for the next 20 years for minimum wage. And he wrote books. He saw, had one, sold 7 million books. Didn't take a penny from it. The board finally came to him and said, you got to start taking some money. He said, no, we've been happy. We're joyful. Everything. The guy's comfortable. God's given him everything he needs. Because his interest first is not his. His interest first is God's. Get your priorities straight. It's just like the surname stuff. I've got seven children, six boys. They all will give their surname to their, their, their wives or future wives. i got one daughter. What's she going to do with her name? I'm going to make her keep it. She's the only one in the world I'm going to let do, bypass this loop law. And we're proud of her name. I want her to keep it. But I want to do God's word and carry it out too. It cost me something to see her give her her name, because it's her blood, it's who she is, it's where she comes from. And our family is very proud of her name. And and that will be a sacrifice for me. But carry out the scriptures. This is the kind of people we got to be. Frank, to contact you and go more details of this financial situations with people find themselves in uh, your contact information yeah again it's way more than we think and and this is the time to act on all these things but call us a toll-free 877-936-7686 you can email us at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com our website is globalsilverinvestors.com and we look forward to hearing from everybody soon while this is still you know solo it's not too late to plan to come to July 1st to the 5th here. You have to do it. It's going to be historic. We've written to several people about this. Uh, or we've written to, to everybody, really, that there's something we've been working on for 25-plus 20, years, actually. And it's coming to be. And it's historic. You don't want to miss it. My friend and I exposed it, showed him what we're doing this morning, early at 5 o'clock this morning. And... He said he's going to go back and tell everybody in his home state, you got to come. Just in the knowledge of it. You don't want to miss it. If you have to go buy a tent at Walmart and just sleep on the ground, the camping's free, you do what you have to do to get here. Cancel what you have to cancel. you got family reunions during July 4th, bring them all down here. They don't want to come. Don't let them make you miss something because of blood that you can be in front of the blood of Jesus his holy mother, and get so much more for your family 
than being with them. It's the time to choose God. And when the Mother of God comes and you got an opportunity to be in the presence of the Holy Virgin Mary, physically transfigured, though you won't see her, but she is transfigured in for Maria here, just like Peter, James, and John saw Jesus with Elijah and Moses. They were so thrilled and enthralled in awe, they bowed down to the ground. Lord, this is holy ground. Let's build three temples. Our Lady comes every day this way, and that's why she said, I want you to understand, me coming to you is like Jesus' transfiguration. I'm coming in my glorified body before you, because she said on Cross Mountain, you are on a Tabor. What happened on Tabor? The transfiguration. Every day, these visionaries see the Virgin Mary, Holy Virgin Mary, transfigured in her glorified body in the flesh. Not a vapor, not a mist. They can touch her hand. They can reach out and touch her. They dare not. They're so awed by her that they're, they go into a whole reserve mode. But just think of Peter, James, and John, what they saw one time that they see every day, and that's going to be here. You have trouble with that? Believe in that? Don't believe it. That's fine with us. You just come, and then you open your heart and see what happens. Until next time, we wish you Our Lady, we love you, goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.